Kansas City's talk show for throttle junkies, motorheads, and anyone who loves rocking the driver's seat. From barn fresh to concour ready, Road Muscle Radio parks the latest news and the biggest names in rolling thunder right in your ears. Let's welcome your show hosts, 30-plus year radio veteran, author, playwright, lousy karaoke singer, and lover of fat and freaky American classic cars, Mark Catfish Groves, and freelance automotive journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine and American Car Collector Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com, Brett Hatfield. Let's put the pedal to the metal. Road Road Muscle Muscle Radio is on the air. Hello, fans of Fuel and Fun. We're back with Road Muscle Radio. I'm Catfish Groves. And I'm Brett Hatfield. Who's on the phone? Because we are social distancing. (laughs) (laughs) And nobody ever liked being that close to me anyway. For me, social distancing, I can do it within three seconds of a conversation. It's my small talk makes for large distances. It's I, yeah. I, well, that's that's mental distancing. That's when somebody decides, okay, I'm out. Yeah. What the what the hell is up with this guy? He's talking to me about cars and haunted houses. There's something. No. Uh, yeah. We are back with Road Muscle Radio. It's been a long time, Brett, since we've done this. It's been just over a year, but it sure seemed like it was time to bring it back. Brett and I, we record Driven Radio Show at Brett's uh, studios at his house, and he's been putting together this great show that is all about, uh, you know, kind of really cool exotic cars, supercars, luxury cars, cars, cars. The I love doing Driven Radio with you. What happened with Driven Radio was, and it was... It, the timing couldn't have been better because I uh, I ran out of co-hosts and <laughs> I ran out of places I could record. We're just going to leave that there. I We're cer- not going to explore that. <laughs> and I, I certainly ran out of competent engineers. <laughs> and about the time I did that, I thought, well, maybe it's time to put a fork in it. You called me back and said, hey, guess what? And I was like. Whatever you got to say, I want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. We're back with Road Muscle Radio. You can check it out on Facebook, uh, Twitter, if I ever remember to do it. Uh, and uh, there's RoadMuscleRadio.com, too. We'll put links up there. We'll have a blog, a uh, podcast you can find there. A uh, thing I call Catfish Finds because <laughs> I, I really do like those stupid cars. They kind of match me. Yeah, but that's that stuff's always fun to look at. And the great thing is most of the stuff that you're looking at is within reach for just about everybody. We'll have an events page, too, that we're going to start populating with Hopefully, events that will be able to stay events. We're going to, you know, we, we live in a day I, and age where we got to keep our fingers crossed. I think when things finally come around and we're able to get out and do stuff again, it's going to be unhinged. People are going to be so anxious and ready to get out and do stuff. The events are going to look bigger than they ever have before. Well, and you got to do something with that month old, two month old gas that's in that tank, you know? It's just taking care uh, of the car. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to convince people that, uh, yeah, it's absolutely necessary for me to go out and drive my hot rods. I don't understand why they don't get that. Yeah, it's essential. Use that word, essential. <laughs> it's essential that I do this. This is, this is essential that I do this for my sanity and your safety. <laughs> and your safety. Now, coming up on today's Road Muscle Radio, we're going to find out which classic won the popularity contest over at CarsOnline.com for 2019 Car of the Year, which model Dodge... Might be thinking of reviving. Oh, please. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) This one, uh, uh, okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we're we're going to talk about that. Also, which uber famous airborne Mustang is expected to bring seven figures at Meekum this spring? Which, by the way, uh, hint hint. We uh, if you go back, what an episode, maybe two yeah, on just, Driven Radio Show just last week. You're going to find out all about it. Oh, and speaking of Mustangs, uh, we're also going to tell you how to bring Sticker Shock back to your classic. Like, really? This, that was a really cool article, too. Yeah, that was surprising. Oh, plus, we'll have special guest Mike Kent of Kent's Hot Rod Garage here in KC, uh, who's going to talk about creating wheels, not just for the king of wheels, for weld racing, uh, but the guy can custom create them for you, too. <laughs> and that's probably a lot tougher than you think. Oh, my God. I, I can't even imagine it. So, uh, Driven Radio Show. Now we've got uh, Road Muscle Radio. And let's uh, let's get into the news. All right. CarsOnline.com announced their 2019 Car of the Year. If you go to uh, – uh, I, I found this on ClassicCarNews.com. And uh, some of the runners up they, – they had, like, these 12 cars. And they were really cool looking. And some of the runners up that caught my eye was a uh, 1970 Plymouth Hemi Cuda convertible. It's in, Ooh. yeah, it's in factory, whatever FY1 is. I don't even know what that means, but you know, FU1. It's, it's called Lemon Twist. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, lemon Twist color. It's one of only 18 Hemi Cuda convertibles produced in 1970. It's a bright yellow, silver hood scoop. It's got a camel interior, had a full rotisserie restoration at legendary car motor company uh, several years ago. And oh, by the way, uh, this thing's for sale too. Yeah. Legend, legendary motor car uh, owned by Peter Kluge. I met him at Amelia Island last year, and just a really super nice guy, in addition to being a, a fabulous uh, restorer. Dang, Amelia Island caliber restorer? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> That's Absolutely. all right. This thing comes with two broadcast sheets. It's got a known ownership history, the owner's manual, the bank loan papers. Are with it, Gee, and then a whole bunch of restoration pictures and previous restoration paperwork. So you know, uh, just for uh, at least one that caught my eye, that tells you something about a, the caliber of some of the things they were looking at. Now, did you take a look at that '65 Shelby? I have not. I'm I'm trying not to make my gum sweat any more than I got it. <laughs> it's a uh, 427 Cobra. Now, uh, this one it was kind of interesting because after talking to you uh, for these past two years, I've become much more snobby. And about <laughs> about what constitutes and, and whether you it's me. <laughs> You're rubbing off, dude. Uh, there you go. This is a real '65 Shelby 427 Cobra. It has the CSX 3105 serial number. It was sold new in 1965 in Monterey, uh, California, and the current owner has owned it since 1988 and has had it mostly in storage. Now, you know, I, I say, ooh, it's a real 427 65 Shelby. Holy God. Uh, but that being said, a few years back, it went to Jack Roosh Racing for refreshing or freshening. It got a new alloy block 427. Uh, that was bored. Wow. Yeah. So they, they, they basically replaced the engine, but it was bored to a 514 displacement. Uh, <laughs> oof. uh, then it got repainted, reupholstered, a hood scoop and roll bar were added, which I don't know. You tell me uh, my, my inner, my inner, you know, uh, Brett was going, wait, this kind of makes it really not original. Well, here's the thing, uh, with CSX, uh, it's going to be a Shelby car, 
but with a 3100 series, it's probably a continuation Cobra. That said, if it was built at Shelby and it's a CSX car, it's probably an aluminum body without doing any background on it. And then going to Roush, Roush makes nasty, nasty engines. I've gotten to ride in a Roush Cobra oh. uh, with a with a small block 427 in it. Easily the dumbest thing I've ever ridden in. <laughs> Uh, burnouts at will in fourth gear. It just, yeah. So and it, it reminded I, you that you can die at some point. Okay, nice. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you could die, and you could die in a ferocious manner and uh, likely be cleaned up with a spatula and a sponge. <laughs> so this uh, this thing only has 300 miles uh, on the odometer. <laughs> You know why? Because it scares the hell out of the owner every time he gets in it. <laughs> that was 300 miles of pure fear. Uh, so, okay, so we got that. And if you go look at the cars, they're beautiful cars. What was the winner? Uh, the winner was a 19 of all these amazing cars, a 429 Boss Mustang, uh, a 1969 429, a 1970 AMC Rebel. That was just kick ass. Uh, 1933 Chrysler Imperial. That was just gorgeous. I mean, all of these. And what wins? A 1964 Ford Thunderbolt. I'm a fan. I it. I had to read up on it, and I still don't know all the facts. Explain what a Thunderbolt is. Well, the Thunderbolt was based off of. Uh, they were based off of Fairlane 500s, which was kind of Ford's midsize tar. At that time, it was between a Falcon and a Galaxy. And, so it was a Falaxy. Uh, gotcha. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, closer than you know, dude. Uh, but what they wound up doing is uh, Ford wanted to go racing. They wanted to go drag racing. They wanted to take home the NHRA super stock title. And so they took the these assembled uh, Fairlanes and shipped them to Dearborn Steel and Tubing. And the, on the first 89 cars, uh, DST tore the cars down and then they rebuilt them. And, uh, first thing they did is they took out the little engine and they jammed in a 427 that Ford rated at four and a quarter horse. What a joke. <laughs> and then they did fiberglass body panels and they did a hood that had a high rise bubble on it and plexiglass windows, aluminum front bumper, uh, you know, just took out everything that they could, sun visors, mirrors, sound deadening, screw all that, armrests. Uh, it had a back seat in it, but it had bucket seats from a Conline, uh trucks and vans. Oh, God. And, yeah, and they relocated the battery to the trunk, and they needed to because the battery wound up being a 95-pound bus battery <laughs> to be able to turn over the 427. And they took them to the drag strip. And they ran in the 11s, which is still really fast 50 years later. Oh and, you know, if you they've seen them uh, run down in the nines with modern drag slicks on them, if oh that gives God. you any idea. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, retina flattening, kidney killing, <laughs> deafening. Anybody who drove one needs a hearing aid now. <laughs> Ridiculous uh, and therefore perfect. Yes. Oh, and let, let us not forget. Screw it, you guys don't need high-beam headlights, so they took those out and made them into air intakes. Oh, yeah, I, I did see a picture under the hood where they had those big, huge black tubes running from That's the right. headlight hole 
uh, going up into an, an oval-shaped air cleaner, not uh, not your usual yeah. big round one. Yeah, they put mesh over the headlight holes and then ran tubes through them, maximum fresh air intake, uh, minus the moths and bugs and stuff. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> uh, whatever you can so, chew through, put it through. I'm I'm a fan. I love these things. I'm not always the biggest Ford fan, but this is, the, oh, yeah, I'd love to have a run on one of those. So congratulations to uh, that one for being the uh, 2019 car of the year. At, uh, cool cars. as can be. Yeah, good choice. Good choice. And the one that they had, <laughs> the one they had there is, you know, it's all uh, stickered up and this and that. It, it actually looks oh, really cool, too. Uh, I love it. I It's got the, the big Thunderbolt, uh, Thunderbird on the side of it. I love it. That's so cool. Now, also in the news, tell us about Ken Miles. There's uh, something heading to auction from Ken, and okay. which name I can say now with confidence because I watched Ford versus Ferrari over the weekend, and I'm like, good. oh my god, that's Ken Miles. Oh, oh, now you, now you get it. Oh, now dude, you yeah. Talk about props and respect. Uh, Ken Miles was uh, the, the legendary uh, World War II tank commander turned race car driver who drove for uh, Shelby American. And also wound up racing in the 24-hour Le Mans and honestly won the race. But courtesy of uh, Ford, of uh, Henry Ford II wanting to have a one-two-three race finish, uh, got screwed out of his uh, his triple crown win for 1966. Yeah, uh, uh, having won it at Sebring and Le Mans, uh, I forget the third race. Anyway. Uh, Ken was notorious for having one speed and one speed only go like hell. <laughs> Just go like hell. You know, throw a brick on the gas and forget about it. Uh-huh. And uh, I've heard from more than one person that they were behind Ken racing somewhere and saw daylight under all four tires of the car. Oh, and one wow. of the cars that he did that in was uh, this uh, 002. 65 Shelby GT350R that's going to auction at uh, Mecham in May. And it's still on the calendar. I looked it up right before we came on, and they still have that one on the books. They haven't canceled or postponed it. So this may be the first big auction coming out of all this uh, COVID-19 garbage, which would be fantastic. That would be awesome. but this car, as our guest on Driven Radio told us last week, Fernestas is probably the most significant Mustang of all time, period. Because without this, you don't wind up having the Mustang being recognized as a sporty car. You don't wind up having all the other Shelby Mustangs and the Mustang Mach 1s and the Boss 429s. You don't wind up having... Uh, Steve McQueen driving the Mustang and Bullet. I mean, there's oh, yeah. so much that came off of this car. And this car was the one they used to uh, prototype all of their race parts and all of the modifications they did. And it's it's amazing that it's going to auction. And along with that, it's going with the rest of it. Uh, really astonishing Shelby collection uh, from a gentleman named John Otzbach who's going to be selling off this and also a massive memorabilia auction at that Nico Mindy auction coming up at May. The, uh, the R models. Now, looking back, I, I did some research on the history and it was, I didn't realize that, you know, uh, the GT three fifty. Oh, you see those, the, the first one was built by Shelby himself, uh, as was this yeah. one. 
Uh, this is the second one that was ever built. It's yeah. one of two prototypes built in 1965. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So extraordinarily significant. This was the first competition model built. Oh, and yeah. When they, this is the, this was the one they did all the testing on the first, uh, GT three fifty built was the road car. And then the second one built this one was the comp car. So, unbelievably historically significant. Uh, and you know, this is the one that this has got Ken miles, butt prints in the seat. You know, you may be able to find Ken's DNA in this car. <laughs> no doubt in my head <laughs> when you're screaming, Woo-hoo! all yeah. over the dash, the, uh, it's sales taking place during Meekham's original spring classic. That's going to be Mar or I'm sorry, May 12th through 17th, hopefully. Uh, and they're talking about that. It's probably going to take, it's, going to probably pull in seven figures oh yes oh yeah i i would be really surprised if it didn't sell for more than the bullet mustang did now if you want to talk about cars that probably won't sell for seven figures even new (laughs) (laughs) it's i you know is it time is it time for this car uh you know and and i gotta ask you know do i make you hornet boomer uh, Dodge oh. is thinking about, yeah, I, I had to, uh, Dodge is thinking about <laughs> rebooting. Guess which one? What could it be? I think the biggest question in my head is why, why? it's the Hornet. <laughs> why? Uh, uh, you feel the power, man. Just, just take a moment, moment no, to let I, that I, soak I right will, in. <laughs> I will admit to this. I, I will look, they sold a Hornet what was it last year or uh, a couple of years ago, they sold the Hornet from the 74 James Bond movie, the man with the golden gut. Oh yeah. 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 And that, and that car went for a buck 10. Oh, okay. I get that. It was in a bond movie. It's yeah. not because it was a Hornet. It's because it was in a bond movie. I think that was the they spy were, who shamed me. <laughs> oh, it, it was. And, and he's, he's in that, He's in the car with that fat Southern sheriff, Buford T. Justice, or whatever his name is. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that car was god-awful in that movie. That car was (laughs) god-awful. Full stop. It was just god-awful. So I I wonder if Chrysler isn't stretching to try and come up with ideas uh, for the car. I've seen the picture of the prototype they did in 2006. Yeah. Oh, what a yeah. depressing little crap can that thing was. I couldn't really figure out what they were shooting for with that because to me the, the the mix on it, I'm like, is that a is that like a Kia Soul who you know ate too many uh, uh, drugs? Yeah, well, on steroids. <laughs> yeah, on steroids. steroids. A little pumped up Kia Soul. I am a Kia uh, Soul. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I'm kind of wondering if they don't have a bunch of Fiat 500 parts laying around and they're trying to figure out something to do with them. <laughs> Well, they inherited the model name uh, when they took over AMC in 1987 and basically killed everything. But, you yeah. know, good Lord, uh, remake the, the Eagle or the Javelin yeah. or something, you know? I would I, I would buy a Javelin. I would consider it if they made it cool. Uh, <laughs> I, would, I would consider an Eagle. Those really weren't bad. You know, a uh, guy we had on, on both this podcast and also on Driven Radio, Luke Chennel. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those things are great in the snow. Oh, sure. Uh, said he, Luke grew up in Colorado, says he had one, said it got around great. And, you know, Luke's no liar. No. So I would, 
I would trust what he says about that. If I brought back an eagle and made it something close to what it was originally, yeah. absolutely I'd consider it. Well, you know, those AMC eagles, they all look to me like uh, uh, Pinto 4x4s that are driven by lumberjacks. <laughs> they, just, they, they were kind of tough looking, but really still kind of ugly. Uh, you know, kind of that AMC thing in general. But uh, I think you just kind of answered your own question there. A M C. But you know, we'll see if the Hornet comes back. The uh, they try they filed for trademark application for Hornet and Dodge Hornet in the U.S., Mexico, and Canada. This is according to Motor Trend. So we'll uh, we'll see if the wow, Hornet. Wow, they're really uh, serious about this. Yeah, yeah, they uh, they're they're bringing it on. Now we, we were talking wow. about yeah we we're talking about Ford earlier, which the sticker price for that GT three fifty R is going to be a bit different. But oh yeah, there's a different source now that you know about for uh, actually getting a sticker. No, and that's I thought this was cool because you know there are a lot of guys out there who still have uh, Fox Body Mustangs. Fox Body Mustang still has a hell of a following. Yeah, it does. And even even before that. Uh, first and second generation Mustangs, and there's, you know, Mustang has a heck of a following in this country. You think? (laughs) (laughs) And and we know a few of those people. Well, you you want to know a secret. My wife, uh, she's just totally not into classic cars, and she sometimes when I talk about, oh, God, I saw this Studebaker, and it was blah, 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 with the big bulbous blah, 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 and she's like, honey, it's so sweet. And and she looks at you with with a look of, yeah, kind I mean, of uh, endurance. <laughs> oh, that's, I was thinking sympathy. <laughs> that's sweet, darling. I love that you like ugly cars. And I'm like, no, you oh, know. But she, it, she it, told, isn't that nice. Yeah, aren't you special, <laughs> sweetheart? Go look at your cars online. But the one thing that she has said to me is that you know, if you bought a Mustang, uh, like a '67 or '68, I'm all Ooh. in. Yeah, and I'm like, oh well, that's awesome but it's not big and fat and ugly and <laughs> you have to get a 73 for that uh, i know right well one of my favorite models as a kid i think it was was it a 70 or 71 that has the really long front end kind of looks like a, a torino that's been punched in the nose because it's just got these it's too stupid long and it's way too heavy at 351 uh but i do like those however fox body mustangs what is it you can get now for them you can get yourself a new window sticker. Ooh, like Ooh. original window sticker, kind of. Yeah, for, uh, from Ford. <laughs> how, looks, how cool is that? Uh, that looks like they're available from Ford Show Parts, uh, and they cost fifty nine ninety nine. And all you need to do is enter your VIN, and uh, they will generate an exact window sticker for your car. All that. So it's got like the prices from the time and the stuff yeah. and the stuff that was actually on your car when it sold new. Looks like the original Windows sticker. That's crazy. Now, now it's only for 87 to 89 models. Uh-huh. They haven't got them for everything yet, but uh, there's a lot of 87 to 89 Fox Body Mustangs out there. Um, I tried really, really hard to uh, get my dad tried really hard to talk and in talk my dad into letting me have one of those critters and uh we went for we made the mistake of going for a test drive oh, oh. and i'm driving and my dad's riding shotgun and there's a car dealer in the back seat and he is just he, he couldn't have been any more herb tarlick if he tried he's leaning up in the back seat and i'm driving this the way i know i'm supposed to drive this you know i 
Uh, I, I learned how to drive when I was 12 or 13 when we moved from one house to another. And my dad had me illegally driving my mom's station wagon <laughs> back and forth across town to help them move. That's my boy. And Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. And, you know, growing up in a lumberyard, driving forklifts and lumber trucks and all that garbage. Uh-huh. Anyway, I'm driving this Mustang. It is a five-speed. I'm driving the way I want my dad to think I'm going to drive it, which is a huge lie. <laughs> and the car dealer keeps leaning up. He says, no, go ahead. Get on it a little bit. Go ahead. Get on it oh. a little bit. Go ahead. Get on a little bit. But about the 47th time, we're sitting at a stoplight, almost back to the dealership. No, go ahead. Get on it a little bit. And I'm just, I look over at my old man and he just gives me a stung face look. I'm like, I want to shut this guy up. And I stuck it in first, ran it up to about 3,500, light changes, sidestep the clutch, master gas, all the way through first sideways, grab second, chirp the tires, go to third, chirp them again. We're pulling into the dealership. My old man looks at me and says, no. <laughs> Talk about selling yourself out of a car. <laughs> no one word nothing else no no <laughs> dad that's how i wound up with a six-cylinder camaro <laughs> <laughs> you know my parents i was uh supposed to be saving up for college and instead i had a 55 plymouth you you can see a picture of that on um our facebook page on road muscle radio and uh this big orange crate plymouth and i'm supposed you know, I got like a thousand dollars to my name, period. Mm-hmm. And, but there, there was a Mustang. It was a seventy-one, uh, or was it seventy-two? The ones that got kind of shorter again, but still were trying real hard. Uh, kind of ugly, but I really liked it, and it was only eight hundred dollars. And I did every way to Sunday to talk them into it. And my parents were, uh, they loved me. But they could browbeat the sh- the anything out of anything. Those uh-huh. people, those brows would come down, and it's like, oh god, game over, crap. Uh-huh. And uh, and so I didn't get it. And it was probably yeah, the smartest well, thing. And, and you wound up with a Plymouth that you armor all the seat on too to turn in. Shut to, up. Uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll tell that story later. That that total you know romance fail. Uh, yeah, just a quick hint, just as a side note before we move on. Never armor all. Pleather, never armor all a seat that is made out of pure vinyl and th- with no seat belts. Oh, Naga hide all the little Nagas that oh, tried dude, to make that. Seat you know, for it you. was Walmart's finest, and it. Oh, nah. God, that was awful. What a bad. Well, night. never do it unless you want to turn a first date into an episode of American Ninja. <laughs> it's like we were on a cruise ship in the middle of a hurricane because just wham, she's in the door. <laughs> wham, she's up against me. Wham, she's in the door, and not in a good way. So, <laughs> well, we'll tell that little fun thing later. So, all right, there's the news, all that you can use, and uh, you can find links. Not bad for a slow news week. Yeah, not too shabby. You can find these links to these stories and more at roadmuscleradio.com. And uh, coming up in our second segment, Mike Kent from Kent's Hot Rod Garage is going to join us, and uh, he'll share a story of weld racing and doing wheel designing for them and then on his own and how you can get rolling with a 100% custom-designed and manufactured set of wheels to fit the feel and fire of whatever you're driving. So, how cool. I know, right? Stick around. More Road Muscle Radio is on the way.
And we're back with Road Muscle Radio. I'm Catfish Groves, radio veteran, lover of long, ludicrous land barges. Hi, and I'm Brett Hatfield, automotive journalist, mixed drink mastermind, yeah. Corvette fiend, and yeah, you can't overstress that long, ludicrous land barges. <laughs> you know what? If it's got more hood than I've got front yard, I'm in. It's it's we're done. Yeah. Uh, now Mark that- likes cars that are advertised by the acre. <laughs> You're not wrong. Mm-hmm. Let's get to our special guest. Mike Kent owns Kent's Hot Rod Garage in Olathe, which you can call at 816-509-8999. Uh, and it's a hop skip. Love a- that phone number. It reminds me of the old Earl Shybad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can get it down for eighty nine ninety nine. Uh, it's a, just a hop, skip, and a quick trip south of Kansas City. His business offers high-performance alloy wheels from Race Star Industries, and then he couples that with top-of-the-line street and track tires from Mickey Thompson and Hoosier Racing Tires, which I love the big Hoosier logo on the side. Oh, my God, that takes me back. Uh, plus high-quality lug nuts, wheel locks, and more from Agard Innovative Security Products. Now, a little bit of history on Mike so that he doesn't have to say it all. Uh, Mike grew up during the 70s and 80s. God bless you. Fascinated with cars and trucks. <laughs> so did I. Cruising the streets and showing up in popular uh, car magazines. Now, Mike taught himself how to draw and then work on his own cars. He went on to take mechanical drafting courses, ended up working for the number one engineering firm in Overland Park, Kansas. And then in 96, he accepted a job at Weld Racing. Now, that was with the understanding that it would only be allowed to create manufacturing prints and parts drawings for the production floor and no design work, none for him, since this was and had only been done by Greg Weld. Well, he was given an opportunity to, to create his first wheel design for Greg Weld himself within his first six months there, the VR-14 Flame Wheel, then the Flame Steering Wheel, then the Flame Motorcycle Wheel for Gustav Chrome, and on and on. So from 96 to 2006, he worked along with Greg to design over 200 wheels that went into production, which included, wow. two, oh my God, two-piece billet, hot rod, and sports truck wheels, steering wheels, one-piece forge car, truck, motorcycle, racing wheels. He probably did your kids' hot wheels. I don't know. Uh, 2006 to 2008, he worked alongside Greg again with the Greg Wall Design Company uh, until Greg passed away in late 2008. Now, since 2008, Mike has continued to do wheel design work for BMF Wheels, Raystar Industries, and a few other wheel companies. 2013, he began to sell Raystar Industry wheels along with Hoosier Tires and Mickey Thompson Tires, then Hot Rod, his uh, Kent's Hot Rod Garage, is soon going to offer services for one-off wheel designs and other accessories. We're going to talk about that. So, Mike, welcome to Road Muscle Radio. Thank you. And thank you for having somebody write up every bit of that that I just read. <laughs> Are you sure you got the right guy for the show? This guy sounds too smart for us. <laughs> he's, a, hey, he's, man, a, he's on it. He's a bright bulb in a dark uh, industry. <laughs> so, um, Mike, what, some of the questions that we really want to hit on, what, what was the first memory of a car or a car's wheels that you loved? After designing all this stuff for so long, what was the one that you went, oh, dude, that wheel? You mean as far as what I did or what somebody else well, what done? somebody Well, we'll start with what somebody else did because you love all the well, things you did. <laughs> one, it's, it's kind of hard to grow up in the 60s, 70s, and 80s and not like the Krager SS. Oh, God ah, bless you. Yes. God bless you. You know, or the Halibrands, you know, or the E.T. Street. I mean, there's there's different wheels by – I probably have a favorite wheel by every manufacturer. Um, but, yeah, I was definitely – I grew up 
watching a buddy of mine build a 69 Chevelle with Craigers front and back, jacked up oh. in the back. So that kind of set the uh, the tone. You know, it's kind of funny. I'm so glad you said Craigers because uh, these land barges that I want to get, in, uh, every single vehicle that I wanted to get, I don't care if it's a Rolls Royce. I want to drop a set of Craigers on them and the SSs because, oh, God, I love those. So and they got to be chrome. Got to be chrome. Just give me shiny. Yep. Well, do chrome you, or real nice polish. Do you still have any – you were a, a model-building kid. Do you still have any of those models that you built, or was there a favorite car that you were like, oh, God, I've, I've got to do more of this? Um, I've probably got 30 of the models left from when I was a kid. Oh. Um, so they're downstairs in a box. And one of them I did was a, a T-bucket, one um, eighteenth scale T-bucket. And then I pinstriped it uh, oh. with the, the graphics design on the cow panel and alongside the doors and stuff like that. So the, But it's downstairs in a box. I told you this guy was too smart to have on our show. We blew up all our models. Yeah, mine. mine on fire. <laughs> I, you know, I, the, mine all had a kind of a sad ending because uh, in college I did, I was really stupid with money, and at one point I was like, I need money, and uh, a yeah, fellow had knew about the models that I still had at my mom and dad's house and and offered to buy them, and I said sure. So he bought them, and then about four months later, his apartment caught fire. <laughs> And, oh, and no. every diesel truck, every forty-foot Fruhoff trailer that I built, uh, there was a there was a, a, a diesel wrecker that I'd built, and uh, every one of them went down, including the first model I ever built, which was we were talking uh, last segment about the Mustangs and those big, stupid, long front end ones I like. I think seventy ones. Uh, I built one of those, yeah, and I even glued seventy one to seventy three. But you you pinstriped yours. I only put I glued like glitter onto my hood. <laughs> It was, it was not a great customization. I won't kid you. <laughs> yeah. You got to start somewhere, you know. Yeah, um, but you know what it had on it? Craigers. Yes. There you go. All right. So I think all mine wound up as proof of testing concepts for uh, fireworks. fireworks and gasoline. <laughs> I'm not going to. I'm not going to say I didn't do that either. There might have been one or two. <laughs> all right. So. As you're as you got into actually creating this stuff, tell us about weld racing, and uh, and a little deeper into the story of, of when you finally got to design that, and why you got to design that wheel. Um, I'd been there six months, and uh, Greg had been working with the engineering department on a flame wheel, and uh, it, it had been going on for over a year. He said. Um, but anyway, he came into the office and he was talking to the, the engineer he was working with and was not very happy on the answers he was given. So he stormed out of the office and on the way out of the office, he walked by my desk Uh-oh. and I introduced myself to ask him, Hey, you know, I heard you talking about this. Would you mind if I had the opportunity? And, uh, he basically said, who are you and how long have you worked here? <laughs> I've been there six months, you know? So, um, but he passed my desk, went out the, the door by the engineering office that was by my desk, and into his office. He comes back, and about 10 minutes later, and he says, you have till tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. Oh, my God. And, yeah, and he says that if you can't get it right, I'm going to let everybody go in the engineering department. What? Uh, so, <laughs> so it's like, uh, okay. <clears throat> um, no pressure. So, no, yeah, right, right. And then... And, Luckily, at the time, um, my wife and I were building a 56 Chevy for my dad. 
and Aww. we were laying the flames out. So I've been drawing the flames up anyway on different scales of paper and and that kind of thing. So uh, that night, basically, I stayed up till like two o'clock in the morning and uh, just went through and drew this thing out by hand. And my wife stayed up with me and I'd show her the picture and then, no, no. So her and I were bouncing ideas. That was my soundboard, I guess you could say. Nice. And then, uh, so so when I went in the next morning, um, I got there at 8.30. And he'd been leaving me messages since 7.30, wanting to know where I was at. <laughs> um, oh, my God. So by the time I got there, I think I had like five or six messages already on my voicemail. <laughs> Dropped my stuff off my desk. I took my drawings up to his office. Um, and then he kind of looks at me and he goes, shut the door. And it's like, um, okay. <clears throat> So anyway, I laid, uh, I had like three or four different variations I laid out on his desk and he looked at him and would look at me and then look back at the drawing and look back at me and, you know, and, and uh, um, finally he says, this is what I've been looking for. Uh, wow. Awesome. Yeah. And then, so, um, so then we went back to the engineering office. Um, he gave my sketch to the gentleman he'd been working with and then he attempted to try to redraw it. <laughs> so he could stay involved in the project. And Greg caught him, and Greg snatched the drawing back from him, handed it to me, and says, I'd like to see a prototype within a week. God. Um, yeah. Again, no pressure. <laughs> right, right, right. So, you know, the good thing about, uh, you know, I mean, we had a lot of people there at Weld that was definitely a joy to work with, and, you know, and they could help you. you know, it's just anything really is a collaboration of efforts. So, at the time, I was working with a CNC programmer uh, named Kevin Clark, and um, he, I gave him my 2D drawing. He created the program. He ran the first article piece on the machine, and um, we had it done. I think mean, Greg gave us a week. We had it done within three days. Oh, that's um, cool. So we did the 18-inch car wheel first. We worked with the guys at the, the polishing department. We had the people in the assembly. We had everybody helping us, and within three days, we were able to take a – uh, it looked like it was actually ready for the road, but it was fully dressed. It was fully polished. It had the correct cap, and we put it on Greg's desk. Whoa. And um, and so um, shortly thereafter that wheel was done, SEMA was coming up. And SEMA is the uh, the big show in Las Vegas where all yeah. the aftermarket companies go to show their goods. And uh, um, Kevin and I actually were invited to SEMA that year in 96. So like six and a half months, seven months into getting this job, suddenly you're uh, mm -hmm. you're making a wheel that's wanted. Damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're like, you know, he came back and said, okay, well, I want to make sure it's not a fluke, so now I want you to do me a steering wheel because we offered steering wheel line at the time. Then he goes, okay, now we also were doing wheels for a company called Custom Chrome, which was aftermarket wheels for Harley-Davidson. And he goes, well, <laughs> now I want a flame motorcycle wheel. So we knocked that out. Um, and then jump to something else and then eventually what ended up happening is I was no longer creating prints for the floor my full-time job for the full time I was there at Weld uh, pretty much was just drawing wheels well and, you know it must be uh, kind of not feel kind of nice to know that uh, not only did you jump at an opportunity kind of like uh, that guy in RoboCop but uh, you were able to save a bunch of jobs man you know, if he was going to fire all these people because just nothing was happening and you were able to finally bring in the one that made him, you know, unpucker, that's that's freaking cool. Yeah. I can't well, believe I'm I mean, talking to a guy who designed a wheel I've seen on a thousand different Harleys. 
That was you? <laughs> no, I'm serious. In addition to being a, a car guy, I'm also a huge Harley guy. And yeah. I know the wheel you're talking about. And that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. And that that was definitely um, the Harley program we had with Custom Chrome. We had a bike builder program as well where we got to work with people like Matt Hotch and Tim Suter and um, Paul Yaffe and those guys. So I got to actually help design some wheels that even appeared on the biker build-off show. Um, Dang. You know, um, yeah. So that was pretty cool because they would just send me a small sketch of what they were looking for, and then I'd take over, and then I'd collaborate with them on sending drawings back and forth until they got what they wanted, and then we would just make a prototype. Yeah, Tim's shop used to run out of my warehouse. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, Casey right. Creations. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yep. So when desi- so cool. When you're designing a wheel, kind of walk us through what it takes to make the the wheel a success. I mean, you know, is it force versus weight? Is it what, the composition, chrome versus brushed? Uh, what, what is it that makes it go, okay, this this works? Well, I mean, a lot of it is fads, I guess, at the time, because sometimes you have, you know, uh, depending on the way the car is being built too, um, you know, to take a Krager SS that's fully chrome and put it on an old car that is bright colored with flames, the flames really pull away from the, the, uh, the wheels. Um, so sometimes if you take a um, um, scotch bright pad to the face of the wheel and kind of knock some finish off of it a little bit, you know, then it becomes not so overpowering as well. Um, I would not have thought of that. And then there's, and then there's also colors that you can play with like black and machine and, and a gray in the machine. So it just kind of depends on what the, the end result is going to be. Um, you know, when working with an individual, it's like, okay, what's the, what's the theme of the car? What's the color of the car? And what are we after? And what's the brakes? You know, so um, <laughs> you just got to try to work with the individual and, and make sure that, you know, where the theme is going and you want to make sure that you accent the car. Right. You know, and, and that's really what you're trying to do. You're not trying to overpower the car and pull away from the rest of the car. You want to just kind of blend in. When I was talking earlier uh, about Ken's Hot Rod Garage, you know, you go online and you've got all these great pictures and all this amazing amount of stuff uh, that you can buy from racing tires, street tires, this, that, and the other, and they're, and they're cool tires. Um, that's not the only thing that Ken's Hot Rod Garage offers. What is What all do you do from the Hot Rod Garage uh, for a street driver all the way up to the track driver? Well, what we've done, actually, we've had the opportunity to work with a couple hot rod shops, one of them out of Independence uh, called Rocks Rod and Custom. And about three, four, about four years ago, I think it, um, I was introduced to him by a friend of ours that owned a machine shop. And, um, he needed someone to help lay out a dash, a console, and recreate a pistol grip shifter out of aluminum for a project car he was building, and I had four months. <laughs> the guy before me had a year. I had four months. <laughs> so uh, Again, no pressure. Right, right, right. How do and, you get yourself um, into these, Mike? <laughs> I, I, I can't say no, I guess. You know, I mean, it's, uh, um, you know, sometimes it's a, it's a, um, um, I think by working with Greg and learning, you know, working alongside Greg, you know, the last thing I want to do is tell somebody I can't do something. Nice. You know, you know, so if I can't do it, then I'm going to find someone else can help me get it done, you know, and, uh, and that's what it is because when you're sitting done, you know, it's like, holy crap, we did all that, 
you know. Um, I did that? So it's like after, yeah, it's like after Greg passed away in, in 08. I mean, it was like, you know, I get to sit back now and try to look and put together what I've done. And it's like, you know, holy moly, you know. Um, I mean, I got to help design an IndyCar wheel, a NASCAR wheel, you know, motorcycle wheels, steering wheels, racing, one-piece forged racing wheels. And, you know, so it's just like it just kept going, and, and you know, but. And then led um, that, that led up to Mike's Hot Rod Garage. So you're working with this uh, group out of Independence, and you've got this dashboard mm-hmm. and pistol grip uh, shifter mm-hmm. to do in four months. Now, did that lead yeah. into into even doing more custom work for vehicles? Uh, yeah, what it did is it, uh, I, I uh, hooked back up with Kevin Clark because Kevin Clark and I have always stayed in touch. Kevin actually has the full CNC machine um, in his garage. So Kevin and I can collaborate very well. And so I got Kevin involved to help with the dash, the console, and the pistol grip. So I did all the 2D stuff and the 3D stuff, and then he took over and actually made all the parts. Um, and we, we met our deadline. We got it in the car. Um and uh, he made it to um, Ohio for a big guy show where he was voted in the top three. Oh, nice. Uh, as far as, yeah, yeah. And uh, somebody came up, I guess, and offered the gentleman that owns the car. They wanted to buy the car that day. And he says, no, man, I just finished the car. I want to drive it for a little bit. You know, <laughs> and then it appeared in a magazine. Um, so when it appeared in the magazine, the, the gentleman that did the interior is the one that got all the credit for all the work that Kevin and I did. Oh, you know, so that happens. Have you done like kind of full custom builds on cars? Um, We did a, my wife and I and some buddy of ours just finished a 69 Cougar. And um, we did the dash. We did the console. uh, There was one of my wheel designs on it, air cleaner lid. So we we looked at the stuff and just tried to figure out how to, you know, change some things on the interior of the car. I didn't want wood grain on the inside of this car, so we drew it and made it out of aluminum plate. And then mounted gauges behind the gate, the, the dash panel, and just little stuff like that, and incorporated a logo, a script that was off the quarter panel, and incorporated that into the, the dash panel on the right-hand side. Oh, my gosh. So it almost looked like it, it could have been a factory piece. So with all this thought yeah. that goes in, uh, let's say somebody comes to you, and they're looking for like wheels that will set apart their ride. They've done all of this work. You, you talked a little bit earlier about the things to kind of, you know, keep in mind when uh, working with a wheel. But what if somebody wants something that's 100% custom, stem to stern? Can you do that? Sure. Whoa! Yeah, I mean, it's... it's um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, why not? <laughs> well, I don't I say mean, no, Mark. Anything Shut is up. possible. Yeah, I mean, anything, anything is possible. You know, it just kind of depends on, too, I mean, you have to look at it, too, and figure out how much money it's going to cost to actually make this part. And if it's, you know, if that's what the person wants, you can put together, you know, a real close estimate. And then, you know, there's going to be some other people involved. Um, Like any wheel design work I do, um, like the centers and the 3D stuff for the centers, and if somebody does that. And I have a gentleman I work with out of California called Mike Curtis with Curtis Speed Equipment. And so he helps me put together that kind of those parts. Nice. I love that answer. That sounded a lot like, of course, fool. Yeah. Hey, dummy. <laughs> <laughs> well, what if I had, let's say, uh, 1960 DeSoto Adventurer, and I wanted... <laughs> yeah, the, uh, let's say, hypothetically, if it was something that somebody dreamed of owning someday soon. Yeah. If, if somebody brought a car like that and even said, I want really cool uh, wheels that 
match and work with the car, but I, I don't really know what I want them to look like. Are you the type of guy that can look at the pictures and go, okay, here's a suggestion? Uh, yeah, yeah, I would do that. Um, I would sit down and just kind of um, figure out, again, the theme he's going after. You know, if he's going after like a street ride or if he's going after a pro touring car or what he's after, you know, or even after it looks like it's an, uh, uh, not necessarily a rat rod build. But um, just kind of try to figure out what look he's after, what size of wheels he's wanting to go after, and how he wants to stagger the width front to back. And then we figure out if he's going to change the brakes, how much uh, clearance I need in the back of the wheel to clear the brakes. Um, and then we'll sit down and doodle and um, or probably just do it in CAD. So, yeah, I can either draw it up or I can ask for you know, suggestion of shapes that he likes. or oh, Kind of like a hairdresser you know, um, who says, you know, what kind of hairstyles do you like? And you pick a few out of a book and then they kind of figure you out after that. That's mm-hmm. brilliant. I, yep. You see, it, what I'm hearing is the mixture of science and art. So, uh, Mike, what's the best way to contact you uh, about custom wheels? Uh, my phone number, like you mentioned before, 816-509-8999. And you can see uh, more of the stuff at Kent's Hot Rod Garage. And yeah, they're open till 11 p.m. Uh, call 816-509-8999. And Mike, thank you so much for joining us here on You're Road welcome. Muscle Radio. You're welcome anytime. Uh, what a cool guy and what a surprising find, you know, here in Olathe. Who knew? Many thanks to Mike Kent for joining us. And thank you for sharing some time with us as we yak about grease, gears, and cool car stuff. Be sure to visit us on Facebook at Road Muscle Radio. We'll put up links to the show there, and you'll see some of the pictures of uh, Mike's stuff. Uh, he's going to send us some pics, and we'll put it up along with the link. You can also see links to all our other voodoo plus an event calendar for car-related stuff over on uh, roadmuscleradio.com. And, uh, and just... By the way, to all the people that this past week who have uh, liked our Facebook page, thank you. Thank you very much. We love you. You're awesome. I'm Catfish Groves. And I'm Brett Hatfield. And we'll catch you down the road on Road Muscle Radio. Road Muscle Radio.